0: Yo, it oh, was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, Grant, how you doing today,
1: you know, just chilling, just chilling, man, how about you, how about you,
0: the day never ends, you know, I didn't sleep much, but I'm here, I'm excited,
1: nah man, why Why, why couldn't you sleep, why couldn't you sleep,
0: I have artists all over the world, so their time is,
1: also um, happy belated,
0: thank you bro, appreciate that,
1: This is birthday, isn't it? it's actually not belated, it's still your birthday, right? No, no, no. Yeah, it was, it yesterday. was yesterday, right? When we also have but
0: yup, yup, i yup, be belated though. have you belated, yeah, thank my you, guy. Twenty-six. Twenty-six, man. Still here, more life, you know.
1: Yup, yup, that's that's the golden age right there. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. But yo, let's get started with this man. Who is Grant
0: Brazer? Grant Brazer didn't exist for a long time. Mm. You know, he was working with all of these different artists, um, helping create their art. Uh he was an art, you know, when he did exist, mm-hmm he was an artist himself, but then he lost himself uh, in other people's art. And over the time that he was working with more and more people, he discovered that that was the key that, you know, because he put so much of his energy into other artists, Mm -hmm. that is what, you know, a real creative could do if they stepped outside of their own ego. Um, And so I experienced ego death and I realized that, um, I was imaginary in a sense, like Grant Razor is an invention, I perform mm-hmm. every day. And that's who I am, you know, and so these artists all over the world really taught me that were that everyone is just like me, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's going through the same struggles and uh, experiences as me. So my company I named imaginary you because I felt I didn't exist.
1: See it on his chest. You can see it on his chest. He ate it to the chest. Yes, crazy. sir. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, but but wait, before we even hop into the into yeah into the philosophical the, conversation. The philosophical and into the oh, business stuff, let's let's yeah. get started with wait man, where did it all start? Where you from? where were you raised man how did it all begin man like everybody wants to know that part before we get don't give them the all that they can't know all that shit you can't give them the sauce real quick you gotta let them know where you came from before yeah so i mean
0: i grew up in central jersey both my Mm -hmm. parents were artists so i i had the privilege of you know being able to experiment with what i wanted to do in life Mm. and uh my father's a composer so he grew me up as a producer um i was playing the drums for a long time and I finally found some friends in high school that you know, liked to create music. So uh, when I turned 13, I got a laptop mm-hmm. and uh, just started learning how to produce. And I was actually recording my father at the time. And by the end of high school, you know, I was pretty good with uh, these DAWs, which are digital you know, mm-hmm. audio workstations. And I wanted to go to college to further my education in music production and music industry um so when i got into college i took over the communications department essentially they you know they through being a student aide at at the studio at the at the college i just went over and above you know what the position was and they they appointed me as the chief studio manager Mm -hmm. of the les paul studio
1: wait i have one question though so as a kid because you just you flew past everything, man. You, I'm telling you, you gotta like you gotta give these people, you gotta give people from like the jump from like when you was a child. So let me get back to that. Yeah, let's man, go. yo, you you were mad. As soon as like if they don't stop you, man, yo, you be yeah, going. Yo, you're about to yeah. go in a thousand. But look, so as a kid, when did you like realize like, yo, like my although my parents already like they've been teaching me this stuff, yeah, and you felt like as a child, like when did you feel like as a kid, like, yo, I, I could be a prodigy in this shit. Like, I could definitely become.
0: I was pushed so hard by my parents.
1: Um, like, as if you were an athlete, they were pushing you, like, in that. Like, yes, as if you were an yeah. athlete but with music instead. Yes. Yeah. I was
0: into sports up until uh-huh. I was 12 years old, and I had. Um...
1: <laughs> you sound like when like, people be like, oh, I was 18 years old, and at 18, you know, I had to make yeah. the choice. <laughs> if I want to keep playing sports, I'm going to become a rapper. But you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. It was like I had to choose music. It was really
0: real for me. It, God made the decision. I had mm-hmm. an accident where I kept breaking my shoulder. Ooh. i had like some uh, you know so, some problem with my humorous bone. so okay at that point i just stopped all sports low-key which was gonna, de- gonna be depressing but luckily i was always very into technology and into music mm-hmm. so that's when i got my laptop and and realized my potential as a producer
1: but speaking of like your parents too because you also did mention that your parents were part of like art like
0: yeah, my, say that was a
1: composer, but you didn't really get into specific mom, with your moms, though. Sure. What, yeah, what my is mom
0: you, is a, a visual artist. Okay. My parents were high school sweethearts, you know, so they— a beautiful
1: thing to watch, man.
0: Yeah, so they spent, you know, the better half of their young years uh, developing their crafts. My mom was a photographer and uh, a painter, and mm-hmm. they both flourished in California at the school called CalArts, which is Disney school. Mm-hmm. Um, where all the art mediums are in one building so they can cross-pollinate with each other. Um, and that philosophy that they brought home after college, you know, and then they got married and had kids, had me. Mm-hmm. Are you just, do you have any
1: family uh, members? Is it just yeah, you? my sister, oh, okay.
0: Danielle. Older? She's younger. Oh, okay. Shout out she, to Danielle. Going to med school, just got in.
1: Oh, snap. Oh, snap. What is she t- studying to be?
0: A podiatrist, a, f- a foot surgeon.
1: Oh, okay. I was about to yeah. say that's the foot one. Yeah. yeah, I only know what that is because football and just like smashing up my whole entire for leg. Sure. I know what
2: that is. I, I'm pigeon toed, so I
1: used to have. You get closer to Mike. Yeah, me
2: I used to have to wear braces for my feet. So, like <laughs> that's why I know what a
1: podiatrist. Bro, I have my whole fucking toe sm- stepped on by a fucking center, bro, because I was a defensive end at this height and this size. Yo. So I'm lucky to have her. Yeah, man. Be a good if your gets right? fucked up, yo, you'd be like, yo, my foot's fucked up. Exactly, right? Yo, that's crazy. as like the dynamics of the family.
0: Yeah. My mom's side of the family is, you know, they're like more practical and mm-hmm. they're all professionals. And then my dad's side are a bunch of crazy artists and, and entrepreneurs. So. Let me
1: guess. So your mom was the one that broke out the mold when everybody else was doing like practical, logical shit as career jobs. She was like, uh uh-uh. No, no.
0: She was the practical one. Oh, well, with mom, the art? My mom, well.
1: With the Because you said that she was into the art. It's
0: it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a it's a funny story because Mm -hmm. because they were artists um they didn't want to see their kid fail but they because they didn't necessarily make it in the arts however they didn't want to crush their kids dreams either Mm -hmm. so there's a balance of of giving us enough room to really be as creative as possible but also trying to instill values for us to you know save money and be practical and have a plan b Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes having a plan b will stifle the plan a you know the plan a might not ever ever even come to fruition because you're already thinking about your other options so for me you know i always knew i wanted to be an artist um but further down you know as i got down the rabbit hole of all the different art forms because i was a visual artist too i was designing cars Mm -hmm. you know for popular mechanics magazine at, at 14 like i was so you were like doing crazy doing shit of, already, like yeah, I was really into beyond
1: shit that kids are not even probably like
0: fuck no. But, no, but my, I was doing at
1: fourteen. I was getting my brain kicked in by like
0: yeah, what the fuck yeah, is that? I, well, luckily, you know, <laughs> I I you know at the time it was really disappointing that I couldn't you know be as athletic. But I really, thought I was
1: going to the NFL, and then I went to college, and I got hit one time. I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's it for me, my niggas." I was like, "I'm out, yo. I'm going to this acting shit or whatever the fuck is going to take me out further." <laughs>
0: I, I feel that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. I
1: wish I learned what you did, man.
0: <laughs> well, I wish that I was more athletic because sitting sitting mm-hmm. down engineering for years will fuck up your back, you know. So I I definitely need to oh, yeah. to continue to work on myself in that regard because mm-hmm. I never had that as part of my structure. My structure was just sitting on the computer, learning. You know, with you know, as a digital native, we have like endless resources for for knowledge if you know how to find it through all the bullshit. So
1: that explains a lot about you. So. Let me ask you a question. So when you were able, to, like, so when you were a kid, and then you were able, to, like, your parents were like, "Yo, you do know that there's a program that you could do music with online?" Did that shit like blow your fucking mind away, like during that? Or were I was they like watching my dad yeah. produce
0: music my whole life? You know, even from in utero, mm-hmm. I was listening to the same songs that I ended up producing. Right? Mm-hmm. I I ended up getting um, a deal for my father with Sony Publishing. Still okay. working on his music twenty years later. You know, what, what, so when he makes I was born.
1: He makes music for the elites then, basically, in a way.
0: He never released his music. He he always he's this crazy, beautiful uh, human being who writes furiously, and he's been writing since you know he was my age, and Mm -hmm. he didn't want to compromise his integrity as an artist and sell his music and not get credit, and you know various times throughout his life. That happened in the industry. Yeah, he was uh, you know approached by many different people.
1: And our parents yeah. timed that shit when nobody had contracts to read, like no lawyers, no nothing. Our parents got... Uh, like, people back then, bro, they got fucking
0: robbed. With well, the system...
1: Highway robbery.
0: Definitely robbery. However, they did have mm-hmm. physical... You know, they had physical things to sell back in the day. Now, mm-hmm. we're re- you know, artists are relegated to playlists and social media, which doesn't make any money unless you really crack that virality, right? And so... Back in the day, even if they signed a shitty contract, there was more money in the whole pie because they could sell records as opposed to streams.
1: But that's crazy, though, because, like, I stay thinking sometimes I'm like, damn, like. That shit is bananas, how like people back then would write some shit, right? Yes, for example. And if you think if like you weren't cool enough with that artist or whatever, you may have written it and he didn't fuck with you and they just needed that song. They right, can take that get shit. No royalties, and, and pay, no what nothing.
0: What they'll do is they'll, yeah, they'll take that shit and, and they'll save some money for homies. you. <laughs> yeah, they'll save some money in an escrow account and pay you off later. You know, just to it's hush money. You know, essentially, mm-hmm. this whole industry is and even hideous. if
1: because it's crazy too. Because that hush money that you're talking about, they put you say they put in an escrow, and that's if you even think about like, wait, hold up, like, yeah, they owe me that.
0: That's yeah. if the person's nice enough to do that and cares about the original songwriter. But Mm -hmm. most times it's not, you know, it's not that relationship. It's just taken from the songwriter. And then if the song blows up and there's a huge problem, they'll try to pay that person off, you Mm -hmm. know, or bury that person.
1: Yep. So noticing one thing about you, very philosophical, right? So as a kid, was your mind always very active? Like, was it always very philosophical, very like?
0: I'd say curious is a better word. You know, until I had enough experience and knowledge to really put, you know, understand philosophy and understand what I really thought about things I first had to absorb a lot and um, yeah I mean that's the that's the most amazing thing about my childhood is that my parents really fostered a space where I could be as curious as I wanted to and they wouldn't you know they wouldn't stop me they wouldn't Mm -hmm. try to you know quote-unquote protect me from or shelter you yeah exactly they they you know I'm Jewish so you know our people have been the, the one thing that they, we keep passing down that they cannot take away from us over the generations is knowledge of how fucked up the world could be to us. So, you know, we try to, we just are born with that, you know, mm-hmm. in us.
1: Yeah. You know. So like, you know, being able to see all that stuff and your parents are like, keeping you with like knowledge and stuff, you were able to keep that to yourself. And like, let me ask you a question. How did like, you take that same knowledge that they teach you and stuff and you put that like towards like what you do with your career, like just moving working with your artists and stuff. I
0: mean, uh, my core philosophy, um, is stems from, uh, something called anarcho syndicalism.
1: The hell is that, bro? I'm dumb. I was in the classrooms with like three teachers and one student with the helmet on. I was the one with the helmet on. So that's (laughs) basically, you know, for the, for the layman, Uh for the slows. Like yeah
0: you know. <laughs> i mean not for the slows it's, it's really it, it's a hard word but it basically just means that if power cannot justify itself it should be, repla- be replaced with you know power that can justify itself so anything and everything that i see kind of goes through that filter and i try to improve the efficiencies of different teams or you know mm-hmm. the way we call it we're, we're gangs you know there's gangs of kids working and they're not working correctly like they there's trust issues. There is always someone being left out of some shit for no reason. Like, so it's just building the right teams. Like, that's really what I spend most of my time doing these days is organizing, uh, you know, people around their vision and achieving that.
1: Do you feel like you're like the Phil Jackson, basically? You're like a Phil Jackson assembling a yeah. team as a I mean, coach. There's, there's a lot yeah, it is like
0: a coach. It's, it's instead of, you know, everyone likes to talk about managers or, you know, all these terms in the music industry today don't even make sense because they're all based on this exploitative system of middlemen kind of owning parts of the pie and they don't even need to be in In the equation at all, you know? So yeah, I mean like I see myself as a leader Mm -hmm. more than a manager and a leader is someone who is not going to boss people around, but really show them the way. And uh, the best leaders are listeners. Okay. So I try to really absorb a lot and understand the people that I'm with and and connect with them. You know, I find myself in a lot of different spaces. I'm with gangsters at night and I'm with technologists and investors <laughs> during the day. <laughs> you know? That's a good ass mix, man. Yeah, it keeps a good it, ass keeps me fresh.
1: But now that, like, you know, we already got past, like, the kid stuff now. Like, yeah. let's talk about now, like, you in college a little bit. Like, we're going to get past and sure, We're going to get sure. into the most important stuff because, you know, we got to go through the order, man. Yes. Yeah, you're so, right. So, like, now when you hit college, tell me about that. like.
0: So, as I was saying, I found some <laughs> friends in high school that, you know, I was really fucking with, with the music. And um, I found this college near us that had everything I would want to develop my career uh, in the music industry and in music production, mm-hmm. which I got a dual major in. And so okay. I brought my friends with me to college. <laughs> and I, I wrote their college essays.
1: What? Um, bruh, I wish I had you as a friend in college. I had my professor <clears throat> write my college essay. I was like, nah, you writing my shit, bruh. I can't. I'm not going into college.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I tried my hardest to get, you know, the core group of people I was already with in high school mm-hmm. to come with me and... um so once I was in college, you know, I went to a liberal arts school called Ramapo College of New Jersey. It was founded in 1969. It's kind of a hippie school in the forest uh, on it the border of New York and New Jersey. I should Jersey. have went to that
1: fucking school, bro. I got, got to- in, man. I went to Willie P. And it's not oh, yeah, nothing yeah, bad yeah, about yeah, Willie yeah. P.
0: But they got a good jazz program.
1: They yo, they got a phenomenal jazz program. I there actually. I never went, but I, I used to get a lot of shit sent to me. Like if you're in the arts, I was in the arts too. I was a media major. Actually, I was a theater and comedy major. But I love that, bro. It's like the weirdest shit because when I went to my community college, Bergen. Right. I went there to go do communications as a full blown communications, like full blown, like just that's all I was going to do. But then I was just like, fuck this, man. Like my mom was we was looking at Will Smith and we were were watching the Fresh Prince. My mom goes, oh, I could say I could definitely see you being the next Fresh Prince or doing something like that. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I like it. Then next thing I know, I go to Willie P and then I started talking to Matt Rapper. no, to this guy that I met like that. I used to go to class with at, at Bergen. And then from there, I'm I, like, I'm going to Willie P, whatever. Kind of stop doing all that acting stuff. I mean, stop doing all the media shit. And bro, next thing I know, I'm like talking to rap because I met with some guy at like Chipotle. Next thing I know, I'm talking to DMX yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, right next incredible. week. I'm talking to DMX and like Memphis Bleak and shit. I was like, all right, cool. I'm here now. You know,
0: I mean, communications is the most important thing in the world. So yeah. and it gets shit on constantly. It's like, oh, you're just the com major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, the problem—the problem with our society today—is that these communication applications on our phone are distorting our ability to communicate and really know what's real. So, it's an important time for people who know how to communicate to really to stand up and, and, and lead. You know,
1: that's a fact. And then one thing I was also going to ask was like, so how do you manage to like tell your friends like, yo? How did did they <coughs> stay along all of them to continue? Nah.
0: Uh, they you know some of them left and then I brought more in you know like I had other kids transfer in and um, but whether or not the school was just really cool because it gave Mm me uh, a place to really focus on philosophy because it was a liberal arts school I was taking all sorts of classes about humanitarianism you know uh, social sociology and this one class which deconstructed language which kind of made me go crazy but led to my epiphany about who I was and what I'm here for right Mm -hmm. and language communication is everything and you know human beings only have the ability to understand through symbols and references to other symbols like that's how we think so our society is is easily manipulated by those symbols, by all these power structures in place that cannot justify themselves. So my goal is to kind of, uh, once I got out of college, I'm skipping ahead again, but Mm -hmm. once I, you know, did the engineering thing, ran a studio, um, had been producing for years. How did you get to run it though? I I took that student aid position when I knew the college, you know, when I knew that this is where I wanted to go to, that was one of Mm -hmm. the reasons they had just built this half a million dollar facility and had no one to run it. So when I took that student aid position, I got close with the first student aid of the studio and I took the job over for the next two years and uh, you know created the protocols and procedures for the whole communications program, ran all the student sessions. Basically, I was the guy you, you wanted to talk to if you wanted to get into the studio, mm. uh, and which no other kid had. So I kind of was living the best, I had the best experience that you could possibly get from that college because all the other kids in the same class as me didn't have the time in the studio. They just got to be there for 40 minute periods, you know, mm-hmm. or an hour and a half. if It was a longer assignment for recording, but I got to live out of there. And uh, at the end of college, um, this is a good segue, I met an artist who flew into New York City from Finland. Mm-hmm. Her name's Sonia Autio, mm-hmm. And uh, I, a funny story, I met her on Tinder. And so I found that she could, you know, basically, she's classically trained and can play the piano and sing, uh, like Adele, you know, and at the time, or like Billie Eilish, and at the time, Billie Eilish only had around 10,000 followers, you know, I was following her. And this girl, Sonia recorded a hit in 15 minutes. And I had just, uh, you know, almost finished college, I had some contracts for management, I said, I'm gonna sign you and I'm gonna create my company based on what we just did. And I'll see you um, in Europe. And then I graduated and she was in London in, in the summer, and I flew out and surprised her with a book of my father's songs. They're all scored out and scared the shit out of her. You know, at first she was like, who's this guy? Uh, I met a few times in the United States who just landed at my doorstep. Like She, she thought I was going to sexually harass her. I slept on the floor. Uh, and I think my back hurt, so she traded places with me halfway through the night. I got to bed. And the next day we woke up and... The first song she played through i bought her a piano in london mm-hmm. she and i started crying at the end of the song and sh- you know we realized that she could really do this and move to the u.s and become a star whatever that meant to her and uh we proceeded to to work in my house with my with my dad mm-hmm. she flew back to the us for three months at a time and we tracked a few other hits i sent the songs to adele and um <clears throat> They, they liked them a lot, but they told me it was too adult co- contemporary, which is funny because Adel- Adele is ad- adult contemporary, and we made some electronic music, so.
2: Ooh.
1: That sounds like some like
0: nah. It was weird. It was like some weird.
1: Like how do I explain that to you? That sounds like some like ah. It made, it made no sense. Like nah, because that that bitch sounds too good. Nah, she sounds yeah. too motherfucking good. I can't have this bitch. That's nah, that sounds too yeah. contempt. Get this bitch out of here right that's, now, bro. That's yeah. what that shit sounded like that's to me. That I don't know. That's the beat. Like. So,
0: <laughs> so when I found when I found Sonia, I mean uh, that's kind of what I've been. Wait, what's her name? Sonia Altio. Shout out to Sonia Altio. Yeah. Right, that's she'll, how you say it? Yeah, Sonia will All be right. in, in America in June. So, we'll, you know, we'll have a follow-up with
1: right, that. Right, man, yo.
0: And she, you know, when I found her, it kind of like, it was the reason why I was born at the time, I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my dad, you know, taught me most of what I had known. And I had taken his music to college with me to find an artist to take his songs. And at the end of college, this girl flew in from the, other, from the North Pole, <laughs> and I was able to marry his music and produce it with my friend, uh, Justin Hansen, who I brought to college with me. And we were able to get uh, a substantial publishing deal with Sony uh, out of that one song with no data, no analytics. It was just this beautiful girl with the right production and the right songs. And that's kind of how I got my start in the industry itself. You know, in, you know. Okay.
1: Is that how you would say you, you fell in love with, is that when you say you fell in love with music or when would you say you fell in love with music?
0: I've been a drummer since I was nine. So, I mean, I've been in love with music since I was born. My parents were were heavily into music. So mm-hmm. honestly, I've been in love with music is my first love. It was my dad's first love, too. Um, it's in my blood, you know, shout out, to music. shout out to music. Yeah.
1: If it wasn't for music, we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing right now.
0: People th- people think about music is wallpaper, you know, like it's in it's in the store. It's while you're getting coffee, it's in the car, but really it's providing value for all the experiences that we have in those spaces and people neglect the value that the music brings. And so it's my mission to change that, right? Like the music industry is my first target market uh, to give power to to own their rights and their data and make a lot more money because they've been left out of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. Artists rights are human rights, but we're, they're not treated like that. They're, they're at the bottom of the stack today, especially exactly. songwriters.
1: So tell me about like your artists and like how you sure so take let me, care let me, of them me, and all that.
0: F- wanna, yeah, so I mean,
1: we got one right there. Yeah, He's enjoying himself right here. Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, you come here, you come talk, about Talk your shit, man. Talk your shit. What was
0: the question? No, I was asking him how he like takes to, care
1: of y'all and how he like. Oh yeah, that's
2: my man, Grant. You know what I'm saying? I'm racked up, Roy. Grant basically is making a platform to where artists can grow and flourish organically and on their own independently without a label, like basically owning them. He's gonna give you the Freedom to you, your own, to, you are your own label. Exactly. He's given us the freedom to be
0: our own boss in a sense. So shout out to Grant.
1: So what made you want to start doing that though, to help out?
0: Yeah. So the story goes, I was managing this artist, Sonia. Right. Uh-huh. And it was very difficult without any resources to really to blow her up in the way that I wanted to at the time. It was twenty eighteen and we had tracked all these hit songs and we knew we did because anytime we showed anyone they were like why isn't this out or this is an apple commercial or you know just the best compliments that reinforced that we knew what we had was gold and so when we signed that deal with sony publishing um that put my foot in the door where i was able to make more connections with other people in the music industry and other artists started to get really interested so um at the studio in Bloomfield, New Jersey, which is in the town over from where we are, or we're in Bloomfield right now, shout mm-hmm. out Bloomfield.
1: Shout out Bloomfield.
0: There was another studio where I was kicked out of my house actually after college because I didn't want to get a job and I wanted to really continue doing this music thing. but my parents wanted me to have that plan B at the same time, you know, to bring in a steady income while I was trying to create. And at the time I felt that I needed to immerse myself completely into what the other artists were doing. and. The artists that I fell in love with were in a fucked up situation. You know, they were kind of living in the trenches, trying to survive, trying to create, living, eating, breathing their art. And um, I was tired of living a a privileged life of and seeing the you know while seeing these kids go what they were go through what they were going through. So mm-hmm. it got to a point where my parents said to me, you know, you you're good to stay here. Of course, this is always going to be your home, Grant. But your friends can't stay here with you. And I said, well, if you're going to kick out my brothers, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So I ended up sleeping in my car at the studio where I was able to get Sonya's music to Adele and, and get some traction, meet some other artists. And as I said, these artists that I started to fall in love with um, were in the hip-hop industry. So I trans, you know, kind of, I love sound. I don't love music. So every genre I kind of find something to like about. But the hip hop industry is the most vibrant uh, it's the most vibrant and active community on the planet. And it's really at the intersection of youth culture.
1: Your vibe is very much Rick Rubin esque.
0: Rick Rubin's one of my favorite people.
1: Yeah. Your your vibe is very Rick Rubin esque. <coughs> like that's how Rick Rubin used to be back when he first started. Yeah. So much alike.
0: Yeah, I love Rick. That's how I was gonna tell you
1: yesterday when we was talking, I was like, yo, you reminded me of like you remind me of Rick Rubin.
0: Yes. I mean, Rick Rubin is able to connect with people where they are and then bring you know, take the spark, that unique spark and light the fire. And mm-hmm. so I take I take the same approach with my artists and everyone every one of my artists is dealing with similar problems. However, they all have unique identities and stories. So it's important to really solve that those those core fundamental problems in the music industry that can just empower all of these independent creators to, you know, apply to their vision and actually make money because I'm tired of my friends uh, suffering even dying you know in the socio-economic hellscape that we call the modern United States like it's not a good place for creators it's it's although the creators are providing all the value to our lives you know with without artists you know what would life be like
1: that's true that's true so, uh also like you do say that you have you have a comp- you have companies, right? Yes. So and then you also mentioned that your company helps artists. So can you tell us more about your company? Absolutely. And everything and all the other companies cuz you got yeah, multiple yeah, ones. Yeah. So start off with so, the most important ones.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. So um Imaginary U is, you know, mm-hmm. the first company that I created and it happened when I figured out that I didn't know who I was. And that was because I was really working with all these other people. And that is who I am. I I am imaginary. I like I am you, you know, like, I put myself in the people's shoes that I'm with, and I really empower them. So once I realized that that was what I wanted to do, I incorporated and started with that first artist and I didn't exactly know how to run my company the way I wanted to because there are no companies that are currently uh, working in the right way. So I didn't have a model at the time, and it's been many years since 2018. And uh, my last visit to see Sonia was during COVID. I was able to get to the UK um, on some funny shit, and during I during COVID. Yes, but in its peak, Damn, yeah, in, the, in its peak. But over there, there was it was yeah. not really. It wasn't they had everybody
1: in lockdown. Like, you weren't playing Not
0: here. It, here it was fucked. But over there, they it were was like low nah. key open during the summer. they were like, ah, oh, we get open the shit up. Uh, okay. I was at the bars. I was, you know, it was nice. It was nice to, nice to get out of the United States at that time. And um, but when I when I left Scotland, I didn't want to go home. As I said, it was kind of my parents were being weird at the time because they didn't really understand what I was doing. I was traveling all over the place. There's another whole story we can get into where I was running around with Le'Veon Bell in New York. Damn. And r- managing his music career for a few months when he was, How with was the that was it was incredible and uh, crazy, you know. Um, but I didn't want to go back home because my parents didn't really understand what I was doing. They just saw me, basically exhausting myself, living in the trenches, but then also flying private jets. They kind of thought <laughs> I was, insane. they thought it was
1: confusing. They were yeah. like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, they, <laughs> they were,
0: they were, they were scared, honestly. But I, I didn't want to go back to that energy, so I hit up my aunt. Uh, Susan Brazer, uh, mm-hmm. who's been traveling the world her whole life as a, you know, tech, media, and telecom uh, guru. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen her most of my life because of how busy she was, but I hit her shout up. Shout out to your aunt. Yeah, shout out Susan. And she was in Los Angeles, and I said, hey, can I come Can I come by? I'm in Scotland. And she said, of course. So I ended up moving to Los Angeles, and when I met Susan and went through what I had done in the last few years, I had accumulated are over 30 artists you know from the time that i left college and so when she saw that and saw that i didn't have the business model in place to support what i was doing which was my parents worry we but put we put together one
1: so the selection of pool of artists that you get how do you pick them out and know like like the differences sure. between them and stuff like the pool how do you like choose them and stuff
0: So again, there's a unique spark in every human being on the planet. And at the end of the day, we're all artists, you know, everything is an art, the art of business, the art of accounting, the art of whatever. And so the the most creative people though, like they're creating all the time and and the process of creating is is also the process of destroying. It's this cyclical uh, experience of recreating yourself every day, Mm -hmm. which you know why a lot of artists have mental health issues and whatnot. But the artists that I've gotten to meet, you know, I, if I connected with them, um, I just took the next step, and I don't limit myself. A lot of people in the industry uh, would characterize me as crazy for taking on so many different people and not sticking with one or two, because you know you should just focus on one thing and blow that thing up, and then that will give you traction for the next thing. But instead, I keep seeing with every artist that I meet they're encountering the same problems. So, if I can solve that problem for everyone, that's a way better business model than trying to blow up each artist, you know, in this fucked up system. You know, I'd rather just create a new system uh that works in tandem with the old one until the old one is ab- abolished.
1: Yep. Yeah. And do you feel like like when you're working with some of these artists do you feel like that the best place to go pick up the artist is through like underground hip-hop you would say that's like the grassroots of like all pop culture so
0: the 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 coolest thing about being in this Mm -hmm. company is that as an independent creator company it really runs as a network and each artist has power in the network and really curates the network itself roy will introduce me to a new artist uh or you know tennis who's recording right now would, intr- would introduce me to an artist. For example, Tennis introduced me to an artist named Zeliocho. And it was just Vlad. a Vlad. Yeah, Vlad Life. I saw my shirt. Vlad and Life. And so, <laughs> violent life around drugs. Oh, okay. Which is a real thing that's going on, right? Which he's bringing light to um, as an artist. And so, when Tennis showed me Zelly, for example, I was like, wow. You're right, Tennis. This This is the hottest artist right now that No one's talking about from the underground and everyone should be talking about. So I immediately got in contact with Zelly's management and joined his team, right? To try to empower him with new tools and rules for him to own his content and avoid these disastrous deals and to empower his brand, right? And it keeps keeps going like that. Every artist I meet shows me another creator. And it's not just music.
1: Do you feel like also, like, another thing too, because we did speak about, like, you did say the environment. You always talk about the environment and where they're at. Because you yes. do care about, like, one thing that I know is about you, you really emphasize that. Like, since we started the whole thing, you did not say, no, nothing about, like, yo, the money. Whatever. No, no, no. You care about where they're at, like, I how they're yeah, doing. I mean, for a while. Like, I, and I, all I, that. Like, that's your thing. Like, that's what I know is you really, you're really a really true, caring-ass person about, like, your artist. Yeah, Grant
2: is he's very heartless. He's like, like, heartless? I didn't mean heartless. He's very, like. <laughs> Selfless, her, um, selfless. That's what yeah. I meant to say. He's very selfless. He's very caring, and he often puts other people before him. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I really—I've been noticing that shit about you. Like, and everybody around you is like very like, "Yo, yo, like, like yeah. we got you, bro." Even, we got you.
0: yeah, I mean, it, it's but it's 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 a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. Because, mm, for example, my mom would say, "Put on your own mask in the airplane before you put on the mask of the person sitting next to you." Right? That's mm-hmm. the rule, is to make sure you're good first, but. I have a very hard time of doing that while watching all my friends who, who I am, right. I am you, imaginary you, mm-hmm. go through shit that I don't want them to go through. So I kind of just, with my privilege as a white Jewish man in America, try to finesse for them. A you know, nigga's an ally. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Grant, he's also he's very great at bringing his artists together and making them feel comfortable around each other. Like most of Grant's artists are – Friends now, like I'm re- very cool with tennis. That's like my twin. It's Foxes. like because
1: you know how like labels sometimes they'll just all right here we're gonna throw everybody together. Yeah. Yo, here we yeah. go, and yeah. nobody fucks with each other. Like, like
2: Grant, Grant really helps yeah. us like
0: build personal relationships, so that way the business is more genuine. Exactly. I mean, the way that these kids are doing business uh today, they're they're basically they're 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 hijacking social media to be able to communicate the way they want to they're not using it the way the algorithms intend them to they're they're making deals selling features selling services um, but it's all through these third parties and there's not a direct communication application between creators yes, where they can post all their content own it all trade it all frictionlessly uh, without worrying about getting paid or someone paying them late or who's getting credit, you know, who did what. There are new technologies that will allow us to have that experience on our device. So that's the big company, LionShare Media, which is a technology company, and that company uh, is empowering the next generation of creators of all types. And my little company, Imaginary U, is a subsidiary, and it's a proof of concept with my creators of how that system should run uh and they you know the underground is really where all all of the pop culture that becomes mainstream originates so that's why i've been sticking to this hip-hop community it's because it's the most vibrant community as i said you know it's where all the fashion comes from it comes from the street it's where the music comes from it's street it's where all the the terms and language slang comes from it's the street Mm -hmm. it's it's you know, the revolution will not be televised. It's it's happening on the ground. And unfortunately, all of those third parties, which are mainstream and the mainstream media and just in general, people of this country and of the world do not realize what's happening in the underground, which is the reality for the, you know, the majority of kids, at least, uh, in this country. And the kids deserve a light sh- shined on them. The underground needs some light because... They're suffering, and that's why the art sounds the way it does. I mean, this the shirt I'm wearing, Violent Life Around Drugs, Vlad, is a real culture, right? There's a lot of violence uh, around drug life and drug use, and in the, a country like this where people don't have health care or they don't know where they're going to get their next meal, it makes sense that they'd want to numb the pain uh, and have fun. And so that's what the climate is in the underground music scene today. Yeah.
2: And I have... Um I'm working on starting this business called worst generation it's basically like my generation they uh look at us as the worst because we're so different but it's really a mirror because you know back then coming up they were different too so i feel like every generation goes through the same thing and they have to break through the limits of the last one Mm -hmm. so worst generation is basically like it's a play on words we're really the best, but they look at us as the worst because we're changing things.
1: I have a question for you. You said something earlier today. What well, was it that he said? He said something about a cat.
2: Oh, about the, um, basically about the political status of the world, bro. Like, a house cat we're talking about all that has better benefits than a human, basically. Like a, a house.
0: Yeah, I asked Roy earlier today. I said, well, he, he said to me, I'd rather be a cat than a human being. And I said, Really? You'd rather do that than all the lit shit we be getting into, for real. He's like, absolutely. <laughs> Being a cat means I'm gonna get my my meals on time. I'm gonna have a place to sleep at night. I'm gonna be warm. You're gonna be loved unconditionally.
2: Like if you, it's more likely for a cat to be walking down the street and get picked
0: up than a homeless man or woman.
2: So that's like kind of backwards. A homeless kid. Yeah. You know, like
0: you you might be 21, but I just turned 26. So you're still a kid to me. Yeah. All, you know, I work with kids that are 15 years old going through the same shit for real. So it's like this system needs to take care of its people. And I say we start with artists because the artists are the ones that reflect back onto society. What's really going on the time, the zeitgeist of that time period will look, be looked back upon on the art. Right. There's
2: a, there's a bad tradition about how, when you're 18, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to know everything and just be on your own and, going towards 18 they don't really teach you about financial literacy they don't teach you shit in yeah, high you school feel they me? teach they don't you really, dumb ass shit they don't really teach when you anything d- about how to survive on your own but when you're 18 you're just supposed to know how to survive on your own so
0: it's yeah, like yeah the school crazy. system is emblematic of all of these institutions which That's are if you go to Europe.
1: Is, if you go to Europe all the kids are like fucking old as shit
0: yeah they they're just they have actually you know they have education that cares about them and a society that cares about them you know the the conditions the social conditions that set up are just uh, more humanitarian whereas in America we're all about profit so my my name my artist name is pity profit because I pity this system and I pity all of us who have to profit off of one another rather than profiting together and you know as he was saying worst generation is his creative company all of these kids have their own creative company so imaginary you is this network of creators and creator companies. And my goal is to give all of their companies these new rules that allow them to work correctly and, and in a justified way where no one's being exploited and things are happening way quicker because technology makes things way faster and higher quality. And we don't get the value of that. Honestly, Instagram, YouTube, all of these OTT video services and social media, they're making all the money on our content.
1: So let me ask you a question. You know how like you're talking about imaginary. You, what? How would, if an artist was to make music and they were to get paid or get their likeness or whatever it is, how would that work for them? Like, what would be the process for that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the future, you know, the, the world we're in, we just talked about, the world we want is one where when you open up your phone, instead of all of these apps that you see, you see all of your favorite creators, brands, and projects. They're all called projects. And you open one up, and it's this an immersive experience where that creator basically has different experiences they can showcase to you based mm-hmm. on what their art is, and or what their services or what they're pushing. And there's a workstation behind that that doesn't exist today for distribution. Today, all of these kids have multi million dollar studios in their laptop. That's how much it would have costed 20 years ago to make make these songs or videos, right? And <laughs> it, and, and today, it's been democratized, right? We all have these tools, but We do not have tools to distribute our content. We rely on third parties like labels, right? Like these distributors like uh, United Masters or Mm TuneCore, DistroKid, right? It's all these middlemen that get in between you putting out your music and your fan receiving it and you owning the whole experience. So that future of opening your phone up and programming how that content is being distributed where it's going, when it's going, in the real world is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, So like that is, that works, the world's first distribution workstation and a better platform for experiencing that content where, uh, there's the other major problem with all these platforms today is that they're user-generated, they're user-saturated content. Like it's all user-generated. And the the real rock stars and the real, you know, Picassos and Beethoven's of the day, it's hard for them to break through such a saturated uh, internet space. So we deserve a platform dedicated to premium entertainment where users can interact and engage and immerse themselves into those brands, but in a structured way where it's really for creators. It's not for algorithms for Instagram, for example. We just deserve a better platform for experiencing the content as listeners. And we, we deserve a better platform for distribution as creators and monetization. Because right now, all of the likes, comments, shares are not being monetized for the people who are creating the content.
1: Okay. 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 I like that. It's fine, man. Hell so, yeah. how, So, okay. So, explain to me, like, if Roy was to do a project, right, with me. And we did, like, one of the best songs ever, right? And then, like, we were to put it out. And then, like, how would we be able to, like...
0: In the studio, you'd open up the, the app, open up your digital asset wallet, and you'd basically just assign the splits in the phone real quick. Like, all right, you did the music bet. You get that percentage. I did the lyrics and the melody bet. I get this percentage. Now, we, we, Nobody's we, 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 Everybody's we paid. agree. We agree on it. It's a smart <laughs> contract. Now, as soon as that song is put out... The money just gets paid out instantly. Um,
1: wow! Nobody gets a, nobody's bitching. No, no, inter- no intermediaries. Why, no why middlemen. F- no nothing. Why?
0: Why do they exist? They only exist because there was a time where we it didn't have necessary. these tools, man. We didn't have supercomputers in our pockets. Yeah. But now, like we're still on this traditional hundred-year-old system of of Need a middleman. We need, middle man. We yeah, need somebody need, to yeah, come help so, us. So, you need a manager. You need hundred people taking a percentage of your pie that don't add enough value. They only add value because the system is designed for you not to have the value. So imaginary you offers value added services. And if we were working together on a project, right, I would assess which services you need, Mm -hmm. right? What are you missing? If you have a vision and you have goals? How are we going to complete those goals? With what team? And how is the team going to work together efficiently? You know, it's like pretty logical. But people are not really thinking about that. They're really just gangs of kids in a house together producing content and kind of, you know, still payola. It's like paying TikTokers or paying other influencers to repost the shit or trying to get all your friends to to growth hack your shit. It's like a bunch of nonsense when, you know, it doesn't have to be. You know, I imagine a better world, which is what Imaginary You does. It imagines a better world for you and I. Okay. As creators. So
1: outside of that, what else are you working with besides that? Like, Cause yeah, like, you did so, mention something about a podcast and stuff. Yeah.
0: Like well, that. so Lionshare media, which is the, the big tech company,
1: which damn, is, building, man, you got, you got mad fucking companies, bro. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Like, yeah, yeah. we're going through all just, but yeah, so that's Li- what we're Li- here.
0: Lionshare share mm-hmm. media is really the behemoth, which uh, everything else is rolled under and Lionshare. share. Exists to give the lion's share of rights and revenue back to the creators as you know, its philosophy and it exists way outside of music. Music is just fundamentally important to me as an individual and to society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a good megaphone to build these communities to overthrow these power structures that can't justify themselves. But music is being the first target market. Film is also needs a whole, you know, Re, like a makeover. you, you somebody know. Somebody
1: for film, I got you. I'm your so guy.
0: Same <laughs> thing with politics, the environment, mm-hmm. or any project which is trying to push something. And everyone needs a better di- form of distribution and monetization for those creative assets. And the creative process behind every project is not being monetized today. You only get the, the result of whatever people were working towards in a team. You, know, you don't get to see the process as everything's unfolding. So at each step in the process, LionShare is empowering, you know, creators with these new tools on this platform to monetize the entire creative process from, you know, th- you think about a movie like Harry Potter. If all of the other content that went into making Harry Potter was available for fans to level up and gain special access to behind the scenes, you know, the wardrobe, bloopers, all that shit, kids would be making, you know, would be leveling up and engaging and immersing themselves and making a lot of money for that project, Harry Potter. And that, that works with every single movie, it works with every single project. You know, so it's, it's a trillion dollar idea. And uh, we have the team of a lifetime building this uh, and we're raising capital right now to implement these tools and to start with the music industry with my company, Imaginary You right? To prove mm-hmm. these tools. Being
1: the forefront of it.
0: Yeah, to prove these, to prove the underground uh, is more than the underground, right? They're, they We were pushed underground because we're not accepted, right? We're the worst, worst generation. Mm-hmm. We always have been. The underground's always been, you know, and, and then a few people will be lifted out of the underground and planted in the industry.
1: And what do you mean by planted?
0: Industry plants, right? Like just uh, people who don't necessarily take the time To build their fan bases or really connect in the underground with that entire scene of creatives, they they're lifted up by money, right by by labels or by investors, and kind of just planted into the mainstream distributors. So they don't have to go through the grind as long or at all, you know, as opposed to artists who are really deserving of uh, their success. Okay. based on their you know their merit
1: makes sense makes sense all right so what's an advice you would give to yourself five years ago or a kid trying to do what you're doing
0: so when i was living in my car in bloomfield mm-hmm. wondering what the heck i was gonna do you know i was working as a bus boy at this store at this uh restaurant called manja organica which is like a fast casual italian restaurant Mm -hmm. and the chef uh was this kid from newark named bez and bez had been shot a few times you know he'd been through a lot of real life shit and here i was this privileged kid who like opted out not to live at his house anymore because he wanted to be immersed in what was really going on right and i was like what the hell am i doing And through conversations with him every day, preparing vegetables and washing dishes, he gave me a quote that saved my life. And this is the advice that I would give to everyone um, who's going through the cycles of being an artist or an entrepreneur, right? Which is a very intense, risky endeavor. The quote is, there's nothing your imagination cannot do for the power of God is to imagine and there's nothing too difficult for him. So whenever you feel like there's no way out or you don't know how you're going to figure it out, just know that your imagination has the power to transform reality, right? The reality we live in is built by a bunch of people who imagined it. And it's just as easily changed by new leaders who imagine a better world for us to live in.
1: Okay. All right, yo, getting close to the end, man. Is there any projects or anything else that's coming out that you want to let people know about?
0: For sure. Um, let's see. I'm going to talk real quickly about my brother Roxas. Okay. Roxas, I met when he was 16 on his birthday. And uh, it's been a few years since then. But he's, th- he's one of the most talented kids I've ever met in my life. And um, I found him in a pretty dark space. And brought him to Los Angeles, gave him an apartment. And he has the the, the greatest catalog of music of all time, in terms of what all these kids are trying to do, this kid really achieved that with nothing. Whereas a lot of these other artists have a little bit more help than he did. This kid really does live, eat, breathe, sleep music. And I'm very excited to announce that we'll be putting out a lot of content this year. Um, And as a sneak preview, one of the projects we did with Roxas, uh, we broke into Car- Kirk Cobain's house. And mm-hmm. Kirk Cobain, pro- Cobain's property in Los Angeles was going to be torn down. And uh, one of our creative directors uh, found found that out and helped us get into that space. And we filmed an amazing music, music video for Roxas, which will release later this year.
1: Hey, I'm glad I was the first to know that. Yes. I guess in the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, man. Well, you already know. It's been a pleasure. Man,
0: yo, always. Appreciate you, homie.
1: Yeah, man, you know. Baba Sucia, and we out.
0: Peace.